Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Match Ball. It's February 10th on the Matchball 30 with Levi Solicitors, 10% off your legal fees, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, I'm Dan Moylan and I'm joined by Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. We're at Old Trafford today. Boo, hiss. Theatre of dreams. Not on your Nelly. Not even full. Nope. Shite. That's what <laughs> it is. 34,000 there today for this. A cup semi-final. What's going on? Not only full of scummers, but full of... Strange simpletons as well behind, but on the far touchline when the ball goes out of play, they're all waving. Why were they all waving at one point? Is it just because it's on telly? Yeah, they were excited to be on television. So whenever there's a... Don't don't you remember that trend? Whenever there was a throw-in, the people behind the person taking it would wave because they knew they were going to be on TV. Like everyone was doing it within about a 30 metre radius of where the throne was being taken from. We didn't have mobile phones in those days. There wasn't YouTube. Everybody wasn't filmed every second of the... (laughs) The live, so it was a big novelty to have a camera pointed at you, even Aww. if it was 150 yards away. Bless your sport, hey? Pathetic. <laughs> Come on, young lad, get on board with this one. Um, yeah, so Old Trafford is the is the destination today for the match ball 30. League Cup semi-final, straight off the back of um, Lee Chapman's horrific facial injury. And so obviously there's no way he's going to make this. Well, Wilkinson said that if anyone has a chance of playing in these circumstances, and you can always tell it's serious when somebody's talking about circumstances, then it's Chapman because he has a lot of mental courage, otherwise known as he's a fucking idiot because he played. You do get a brief glimpse of him in his face before the game and he's had some stuff applied to it with cuts, but you do just look at it and you think you cannot head a football with all that going on. It will just burst open. He's not even got a bandage on. Like Kisnorbo, I don't know how bad his injury was, but he at least had the decency to cover it all up. Whereas (laughs) Chapman is just going, yep, If I head against this, my head will burst open like a drop watermelon. He would have had to play like the Invisible Man. They would have had to put bandages all over his face because it was, um, I mean, as we discussed last time, it was his teeth coming up through his lips and his his nose scraping off. And um, do we want to go through how he made the game? Yeah, let's let's get into all the gory uh, detail, blow by blow, if we could. They sorted him out at the London hospital, but obviously you can't trust London doctors. So they took him north and put him into a, a good old-fashioned Leeds hospital where the morning after um, they reopened all his wounds, cleaned them, and they were restitched by a plastic surgeon who also covered the exposed bone on Chapman's nose by cutting an inverted V-shape between his eyebrows and pulling the skin from his forehead down to cover it. Gordon Strachan intervenes at this point to point out that he'd been... Uh, telling Lee Chapman that the plastic surgeon working on him had been the same one who tried to make uh, Gordon and Mike Whitlow better looking, <laughs> which he, uh, he reckoned Lee Chapman wasn't pleased about. Anyway, so then um, he spent two days in hospital and he couldn't actually eat um, until something like uh, Tuesday. 
And then to sort it out so that you could actually play in the game, you went to a boxing trainer who advised bathing the cuts in surgical spirits to harden the skin. Can I just say that sounds like it really hurts? I don't quite know what surgical spirit is, but it sounds akin to like pouring neat alcohol on your face with open wounds. A searing pain as it yeah. goes on. Yeah. But, like, but it's, it's, it's for the best. Man up. help. Man yeah. up and grit, grit your teeth and bear it, Lee. And then um, using plastic skin fluid that uh, boxers use to harden their skin to kind of um, cover it and give it a, at least some kind of defence against Steve Bruce's elbows. You've, um, had, you've already had the, uh, the surgical spirit. Here's some molten plastic <laughs> for your face. We're going to pour it straight on. Yep. A neurosurgeon said his brain was all right. Maybe, but his common sense certainly wasn't. And with 30 stitches holding his wounds closed, he, um, it was left up to Lee to decide on the morning of the game whether he wanted Jesus. to play. I've, honest, I've, got, I've got a little cut on the palm of my hand that I did last week, and it's kind of stopped me doing a few things this week. I've been like, oh, I, can't, I can't really use a mop. Yeah, do you know, that's, that's a similar good excuse, by the way. That's similar is that, because I, um, I scraped just off the edge of my thumb on a trolley at Aldi. And then I, went, bad. then I went in store with an open wound and put the alcohol hand rub on, you know, like you're oh, supposed to do. You, yeah, oh, bloody hell. I, I wouldn't have been playing football, let alone a cup semi-final. Maybe Chapman's injuries weren't as bad as a trolley injury. <laughs> I don't think so. But he's, he's made the line. I was going to say he's made the cut, but that would be entirely inappropriate. He's made the lineup. Should we run through the lineups then before we get into all this? And- yeah, just to point out, he, he did say that while um, Brian Robson spotted him in the tunnel and just stood staring at him, <laughs> couldn't believe he was actually going to go through with this. And Brian Robson has seen some sights in that tunnel over the years, let me tell you. Well, Brian Robson's a right old soft git because he, um, he played for England in midweek against Cameroon, which was a right bore of a friendly. Um, I think Roger Mia refused to play, and so it, it turned into a damp squid. And Graham Taylor took him off at half-time to help scum out. His exact quote was, United have injuries to midfield men at the moment, and Brian's substitution was purely in the interests of his club. Who? I always thought Graham Taylor was an all right bloke as Great well. Great big stitch up. That's what it is. Meanwhile, Gordon Strachan, who's just had his 34th birthday, he uh, played his first game for Scotland for years. Um, a 1 0 defeat to Russia. I think he only played the first half as well, but it wasn't to help us. It was just, cause, just because. <laughs> Definitely wasn't to help us. <laughs> there was no, no assistance involved. No, you well, know, he was Andy Roxburgh's the manager, and he was banging on about us misusing Gary McAllister earlier in the season. So he wouldn't do Howard Wilkinson any favours. You know, it's funny. Um, now being older than Gordon Strachan considerably, I remember being a child at this time and knowing that Gordon Strachan had turned 34 and thinking he was practically dead. There was a novelty value to it. It's like, well, he can still walk around and stuff. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in that lineup, then, let's do it. Leeds United um, lineup like this with John Lukic in goal, Mel Sterling, Peter Haddock, the fullbacks, Chris Fairclough, Chris White, the centre halves, Strachan, McAllister, Speed, and uh, Andy Williams. Um, making up the midfield four with Mike Whitlow and Lee Chapman completing the eleven. Yeah, Lee- don't don't pretend it's a Mike Whitlow Lee Chapman front two. No, it's, it's um it's a midfield five. I was so used to the four four two there, pure Sean Dyche four four two. I completely neglected to see Sir Mike's name there lurking towards the end of the list, Moscow. So I apologise. Batty is suspended, of course, as he was against Spurs and uh, John Pearson. Um, he's only on the bench with Glenn Snodding and he was um, a, a doubt for this game with, I think, a knee injury. Carl Schutz, hamstrings still bothering him. Bobby Davison's coming into the reserve. So we've gone for a, a packed midfield with, um, yeah, Williams and Whitlow coming in. Whit- Williams, I think we mentioned in the Spurs game, is on the transfer list, but very much involved. With five in midfield, presumably we're expecting some slick passing moves through there, <laughs> overloading them as we as we 
cuts cut through them. Well, let's talk about their pitch in a, in a minute or two, but um, let's do their lineup first. I mean, this is just an archetypal list of bastards, is this, playing for Manchester United. I think this was the, for me anyway, the the proto-Man United hatred. I mean, I know that the rivalry's been going back many years before that, but in my lifetime, I remember this was the team I really, really hated for Man United. We've got Les Seeley in goal, Steve Bruce, Gary Pallister, Dennis Irwin, Clayton Blackmore, Lee Martin, Paul Ince, Brian McClare, Brian Robson, Lee Sharp, Mark Hughes. I mean, come on. Danny Wallace on the bench with Mal Donaghy as well. Who do you hate most? Steve Bruce, probably. Oh, Paul Ince. Actually, no, having watched this, probably Paul Ince. Or Mark Hughes. <laughs> or maybe Brian Robson. There's All a lot of them. Of them. All the, of them. Sea of Bastards. I feel like the, the bastard quota was increased when they managed to get Schmeichel and Neville in the team. I feel like that was more hateable than this because... You can't. I don't feel I can really bring myself to hate Clayton Blackmore or Martin or McClare because they're all just kind of shit. Lee Martin, the only thing you can really say against him, and it's quite a big strike, is that he was only good for scum. And so he sort of built a reputation on, he scored in the um, FA Cup final and everybody assumed, oh, he's, he's a really good player. He was fucking terrible. <laughs> but because he was in this team with some decent players, everyone's like, oh yeah, Lee Martin, hmm. You'll recall earlier on on the uh, the match ball thirty when we played over at Old Trafford earlier in the season in December that there was snow everywhere. It was a very very cold winter, very wintry winter. Was this one nineteen nineteen to nineteen ninety one, and it affected the preparation for this one, didn't it? Yeah, Wilco had to take us to Sheffield to train. Fullerton Park is uh, not usable, but Howard had some mates. He's, I mean, he, he basically runs Sheffield. He's the mayor, so we got in touch with some uh, <laughs> lads at the Astro Centre who organised a couple of tractors to clear a pitch. So we had somewhere to train. And most of the other games this weekend have been called off because of the snow and the cold. But um, I don't know if uh, ITV putting this on the big match on Sunday afternoon played a part in in making it go ahead. But certainly the viewers got a right treat. In the early 90s, going to Sheffield was a bit like the winter training camps in Dubai or something. It was a very similar vibe. Yeah, closer to the equator. Yeah, well, exactly. Than uh, than Fullerton Park. Uh, it's funny to think, isn't it, that there was such prominence in terms of the TV schedule for a League Cup fixture, which has been pushed more and more onto the fringes in recent years. Trip to Wembley, exciting stuff. The game, yeah, it was a proper. It was a bastards game. Was this one? Was, I mean, the pitch is horrible. I mentioned the pitch earlier on. The pitch is. It's like the Elm Road 2021 pitch that's just been replaced. Pre-replacement. It was cutting up badly. There's a big swathe of mud through the middle, some very SOM-like vibes. It looks very much like the Elmer pitch right now, where we're at the stage where it's had a tractor go over the whole thing <laughs> and remove all of the turf. It's, it's not far off that. I mean, the game itself, the first half is absolutely awful and not a lot happens. Brian Robson has a chance and that's about it. There's a lot of offsides, uh, a lot of fairly bad tackles. It's a physical game. Would you describe it as a physical game? Well, that's when it gets going, is when the players sort of start getting pissed off with each other. There's an early one I think Steve Bruce does experiment with Lee Chapman's face when they go up for a header together and he's he's got a lot of, he's very handsy and Chapman kind of walks away, putting his hand to his forehead to make sure it's all still attached. And then um, it's mainly Andy Williams and, and Paul Lynn start getting stuck into each other. And I think once the players realised that they hated each other, that's when the game really got going. But there was really only, there was the, um, there's, you said it was a Robson chance. It's a brilliant save from John Lukic, who is six foot four and manages to get down to save a ball at his feet that Robson has hit at him from about six yards. He doesn't quite strike it cleanly, does he? He goes with the outside of his left boot and he 
he drags it a little bit across the turf, I think, as it hits it. Robson's tried to be clever. Lukic has made him look a fool. And then McAllister, from a speed knockdown, has a, a volley across Les Seeley that is just going in and would have been a brilliant goal, but it's um, just tipped around the, the post. But Seeley tipped doesn't... Tipped the post uh, for a goal kick. Yeah, Seeley doesn't get any credit <laughs> for it because it's given as a goal kick, so he can't have that as a save. A special old trapper to tip around the post. Uh, one of those, yes, we've seen those. It's funny you should say there about um, Lee Chapman checking his face because we've spoken before on the podcast and made, made fun of the fact, you know, the, the footballers checking for blood, for example, on the back of the head when they've gone up for a challenge and putting their hands up and going, oh, am I bleeding? Am I bleeding? When they, they know full well that they're not. But in this instance, Chapman is genuinely checking to see if his face is hanging off. It, is there still skin covering my nose or is it all, <laughs> can you see bone there? It's a legitimate question. <laughs> uh, on the notes here, we've got Mark Hughes is a dick, Brian McClare is shit. Correct. Should we expand upon that? Yeah, and there's also, and then it moves quickly into Pauline's won't stop fucking moaning. Um, yeah, there's a when it does start getting warming up in the first half, there's a bit of a, a pile on the referee. Who the referee is really weird in this. It's kind of he gives so many free kicks, and if he didn't give those free kicks, he, I assume people would have died. But then also, he doesn't stop things when they are getting out of hand. So there's a bit of a the ball is kind of trapped between somebody's legs, and players keep start piling in and Hughes just kind of almost walks across the top of everybody getting his studs down. Such a, such a good player. Such a good player. <laughs> and he's just being a dick. Um, Brian McClare is shit. Yeah, some of his attempts at attacking play is just hilarious. And then Paul Lince, um gets really upset with everybody. There is a classic Paul Lince moment where um, he's tackled and he sort of stops. He can't, and he starts pulling his socks up as if he's ready to take the free kick. And everybody else just keeps playing because the referee hasn't blown his whistle. There is no free kick. There is no foul. The ball's up the other end. And he starts looking around going, well, why aren't you bringing the ball back so I can have my precious free kick, please? And it's just not happening. Which is why I hated them, this team. It was that playing the referee, which, you know, is part and parcel of the game. You've got to influence the referee, haven't you? Of course you do. But they, they were masters at it and I hated them. With Mark Hughes as well, there's one bit where he goes for a ball with Fairclough. He's clearly never going to get to it, but he goes for it anyway so he can sort of half headbutt and elbow Chris Fairclough at once. And then the ref gives a free kick because it's the most obvious attempt to just hurt a player you've ever seen. And Hughes is just the absolute like indignity of the whole thing. He's like, I can't, cannot believe you've given a free kick for this. All I've done is assault a man briefly just for just because he was asking for it. And it's a, a tribute to Mike Whitlow. He is the one who takes a yellow card for fouling him, even though it's not actually a particularly bad foul. Um, but he oh, does. I don't know. The commentator says he, he just catches him, but I think in modern terms, that is an ankle breaker. Shame it wasn't. It is a shame. <laughs> it's weird because I've got the feeling this is a really dreadful game if you're watching it without a foot in either camp because it's so scrappy and there's not much quality in it. But as a Leeds fan, even, I mean, just to ruin the illusion slightly, did kind of know the score before I started watching this. Even though you know the result, still getting annoyed by stuff and still being like, ah, fuck off. Ian St. John's the co-commentator and he says, he keeps saying that um, it's too competitive, that the players are, are sort of trying too hard against each other to stop each other playing and that's what's spoiling the quality but it does mean that you do get some proper fights not proper fights it's just every single tackle is full-blooded every free kick is contested every time somebody tackles somebody else it's generally a scum player standing up going i can't believe you've done this paul Lynch getting so wound up by andy williams is wonderful because i mean paul Lynch is an england international he's moved for millions of pounds Andy Williams, Leeds signed him from Rotherham for basically nothing. He's spent um, two seasons in our reserves, played well when he's come on, but he's, you know, he's not a 
a great player. He's somebody who, he's a classic Wilkinson player who he knows he'll always get the effort from him and he'll always do his best whenever he's in the team. And there's um, there's a moment when Williams fouls him for about the, the 10th time or something and he goes to, to help him and get up and Innes just batting his hand to go away, like refusing to shake hands with him. It's, Come on, he, Ince should be better than that, but it's hilarious that he isn't. And it's funny as well because on that, that incident, Brian Robson actually starts digging into him saying, look, stop being a dick to Leeds players. And at the same time, Mike Whitlow is um, getting in Brian McClare's face, sorting him out. So so when it all uh, descends into a, a scramble, what Brian Moore calls a real schmozzle later on, it's quite entertaining. I don't know what that word means, but it sounds like one of those Yiddish words that's crossed over into general day-to-day use. I think it means Paul Ince gets kneed in the head and it's funny. And it's great. People may have seen this clip before on social media, but it's only the close-up that gets shown. The full version, you can see Chris Fairclough looking at the situation. He sees Mark Hughes on the floor and there are feet flying and Mark Hughes has kind of got his hands up. He's cowering, whereas I think Lee Chapman is thinking, I might stick my face in there, actually. <laughs> and he, um, Fairclough is behind him and he's, he's on his way. I think he's decided, I'm going to go and have a fight with Brian McClare. But Paul Lynch is on the floor between us. So as he goes over, he's kind of stepping over him. But as he steps it's over It's an him, accident, I'm sure. It's a massive swing of the knee he's right just, across the he's, back. He's merely walking He's merely walking by and Paul Lynch's head is in the way of his knee ever so slightly. Probably These things happen. Probably didn't even see him there on the floor. It's, These things do happen and it is a shame. It's absolutely wonderful. He just swings full knee all the way through Paul Lynch's head. And Ince doesn't know where it's come from. But then I think once he, he sees Fairclough marching over the top of him, he is then, he's up and he's after him. And Paul Ince just, uh, Chris Fairclough doesn't give a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. They're just whinging, whereas Leeds are uh, winding them up. I must do, I do, I do think there's a line somewhere in the middle where, where it's probably acceptable. But the, the difference between the absolute violence in this game and the fact no one's really making a proper fuss, like no one ever, no one ever makes out they're injured, do they? Even when there's some ridiculously heavy tackles going in. If someone's down, you know they actually are hurt. And if someone gets kneed in the head, like Paul Ince, to his credit, doesn't really make a fuss about being needing the temple, does he? He just kind of looks around with a, what you done that for kind of vibe, which is, I guess, arguably fair enough. I mean, it's Paul Ince. Whereas you imagine... Grealish. Jack, Grealish. The th- Jack Grealish test is Grealish, the yeah. Grealish thrown into this game, and it is hard to imagine the level of squealing you would get from literally everything. I don't, just, I don't think there's a single time he would touch the ball without something to complain about. I think before anything happened to Grealish, he would just turn around and walk off. He'd see a tackle, and <laughs> not for me. Yeah, Paul Lintz's mind is on revenge. I think that's what's on everybody's mind. Maybe Lee Sharp probably plays the the Grealish role a little bit because it's always a, a shame when you see Mel Sterling up against a winger with actual genuine pace, unless Mel can do what he does for most of this game, which is just kick the fuck out of them. Um, he puts Lee Sharp um, over the touchline a few times, but unfortunately, when the goals do start coming, um, it is a Mel mistake and a Sharp goal. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And goals did come. Yes, 67 minutes when the scoring is opened. Not great. Never mind. The pitch's fault, Mel says. Mel yep. says later, it's the pitch's fault. He was expecting the ball. It's a long goal kick from Les Seeley, and Mel says he was expecting the ball to bounce up more, but it didn't bounce as much as he wanted. So dead, uh, wasn't it, this bounce? You can, you can tell. Uh, but when it's happening, you're like, no, don't do that. Oh, God, he's done it. He's done it. Mel's done mm. it. He's headed it short. So yeah. he tries to head it to John Lukic, and it doesn't get there, and Lee Sharp's pace. Yeah, annoying, isn't it? He looks really, really good, does this Lee Sharp character. I did, the, I did this watch game. this game and wonder if how much influence this played in Wilco signing him years later. It was like, good him. I remember. I remember what he did to Mel. Well, Lee Sharp was always good. And to finish off what actually happens, he... He, he wasn't always good. Leeds. I don't know if you saw him play for Leeds. <laughs> what? He was going to play for Leeds? Yes. Yeah, apparently so. Oh, right. He nips onto the ball and puts it past Lukic anyway. So that's the goal. Yeah. Uh, and then he fucks off to the corner and dances a bit, doesn't he? And embraces all the weirdos who are waving at the camera earlier. He used to love his um, his Elvis at the corner flag routine. That was Lee Sharp. Uh, wanky dancing as it was uh, christened in the uh, square ball first iteration. They're only in the lead for four minutes anyway because they're crap and we're ace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another set piece goal as well. Yes, not surprising on this pitch which is not necessarily conducive to uh, the flowing football that we're all so used to under Bielsa but um, Maka starts it off with a free kick. Chris Fairclough flick on and then Chris White volleying in at the back post. Definitely not offside. Probably not. It's, it's quite refreshing, actually, and to hear the commentators as well going, yeah, it's probably onside. It's fine. They kind of take a look at it, and now you draw lines. Yeah, you'd be VAR in and this And you'd one, suggest yeah. his yeah. shoulders are offside or something. But as it is, they just go, that's fine, isn't it? Simpler times, and probably Simpler times. better times. Better times when Jack Grealish wouldn't be able to play football, <laughs> and you could be a bit offside, and no one gave a shit. Would you have him as offside for this? No, nah, no way. Only, only in modern terms. He'd only be offside in the last season. Yeah, they um, they make more of a deal of McClare scores the winner for them, unfortunately, despite being shit. I think this um, shows what Brian McClare needs for a goal-scoring opportunity. He needs to be four yards from goal with only the keeper to beat, but it comes from um, our corner. Chapman does start looking quite as if he's been hammered in the face several times and spent three days in hospital earlier in the week because, um, yeah, he looks more tired than you would expect from Lee Chapman. when <laughs> All that general anaesthetic. Yeah. Back having, not, having not eaten for half the week as well. <laughs> and um, so on this corner, he's sort of watching Pallister and Bruce um, and Pallister gets the ball and he's like, Chapman's not close to him. I think he's just, he's lost. And he, his header puts it into a scramble that the ball kind of pops to McClare in front of everybody and he sticks it past Lukic. I think this one is offside because when Pallister wins that first header, there are three players offside and if they're not there, then this whole move 
You see, I watch this and I disagree, sadly. I mean, I, I, down I definitely I give it offside, but I don't think it was. Yeah, Speed's on the far side of the six-yard box, and he's been slow getting out. So I think it's, um, it pops. And it's, yeah, it is what it is. Just returning to the, um, to the Leeds goal for a second, um, and we were taking the piss earlier about the, the crowd not being quite full. It's worth um, just adding a bit of a, a, a picture, adding some colour to what's happening with the layout of the stands here, because we've got the increased cop allocation, and our fans are behind the goal off where the TV cameras are looking to the right. So that's the, is that the scoreboard end at Old Trafford? I, I always... refuse to name them. Okay, that one, yeah. Uh, opposite the Stratford end. And um, the the bottom tier, which we occupied in front of the Man United fans in the league fixture in December, is empty, but we're in the seats behind. There's been a, a big argument about ticketing because you're supposed to get 25% of capacity in the Rumbelows Cup and... Leeds were given police advice that we couldn't give scum that many because you can't trust that many Mancunians in Elland Road at once. And so we um, police advice was 2,600 tickets was all we could give them. So scum said, right, well, if that's all you'll give us, that's all we'll give you. And they um, they did themselves out of 50 grand in uh, lost gate receipts. But their club secretary, Ken Merritt, said there comes a time Oh, it'll be a scout. He's a mank, isn't he? Well, comes a time when principles come before cash. It does mean that there's that big empty space behind the goal that we score in. But um, if it robs them of, I mean, who who could they sign? They could get a replacement for Mal Donaghy for that 50 grand, couldn't they? Instead, they'll have to suffer him for another season. How much, how much was Whitlow? Oh, I mean, I think you got him and Neil Parsley for half that. There you go. <laughs> but there's, uh, I mean, we stole him from under Scum's noses because he was playing in Cheshire for... Wit and Albion, the pair of them. So I'm sure they were about just about to snap him up when we got there. They could have had him any time they wanted, but they rejected his uh, his talents. And it's worth pointing out that, that you know we've got through this game without Batty, without um, a second striker for Chapman, with Chapman with his face hanging off, and Whitlow and um, Williams do very well. We go to to uh, back five for most of the second half. Um, Whitlow drops the left back, and we've got Haddock, White, and Fairclough as the the three uh, centre-backs. Williams is in midfield doing his best David Batty impression, just kicking people. And once we do go behind, it, we, we seem to be sending Chris Fairclough forward as Chapman's strike partner for for quite a lot of the last sort of 10 <laughs> uh, minutes. Just, we'll, just, we'll go. <laughs> just to see if we can get somebody. But um, the biggest chance at the end actually goes to Scum. They bring on Danny Wallace, big brother of, uh, of Rod and Ray, who are still at Southampton. But he just absolutely bangs the ball wide. It's useless. It is a good chance, though. To be fair, they should have uh, should have scored that, and it would have. His brother a, would have. Yeah, it would have put a different complexion on the game because you think you know going back to Ellen Road at two one, we only need to win one nil in the return leg, and we've done them, haven't we? Whereas you know three one makes it just that little bit more difficult. No, because there's no away goals. Well, we have to score at least once anyway. Yeah, so I mean, to uh, the rules at this point are that it would have if we'd won one nil in the second leg. It extra would go time. to extra time, and then the which th- we'd have won, That's and then there would have been a replay. <laughs> oh bloody hell! So the, I mean, there still might be. There is still the plan for a replay <laughs> at Villa Park, is the suggested venue that would then have extra time and penalties if needed. But yeah, it's um, now that that's an interesting concept, which I guess we can get onto in the re- in the return leg. But um, yeah, a neutral ground, Leeds and Man United fans descending on uh, on Birmingham in equal number. Hmm, it'd be fine. <laughs> Nothing could possibly. Go wrong, and the the scum fans obviously behaving very well. Uh, Ian St John decides that the man of the match is Chris White, and he gets a little bit confused on the commentary. Tries to 
give him the Barclays Man of the Match before Brian Moore reminds him that this is the Rumble Oaks Cup. So it's the did he win a washer? Did he win Rumble. a washer on higher purchase? He won a Sony TV set. And um, how somebody, many? How uh, many inches? It doesn't say. Probably, um, probably at least fourteen, I would think. Whoa, bloody hell! Yeah, that's uh, that'd be a deep unit, wouldn't it? As well, <laughs> a full fourteen inches of screen. I'll give you a deep unit in a minute. Yeah, and they they announce um, in St John's decision over the. Tannoy at Old Trafford and there's probably as much booing of anything during the entire match <laughs> after that and the loudest chant of the day is Ian St John is a wanker and when Brian Moore tries to ask him about something throughout the like, oh well, what did you think of that that chance there you can tell he's distracted by the fact that 34,000 people <laughs> are singing that he's a wanker he's like what was that Brian I was a bit distracted they love you Ian they love you and all your Liverpool compatriots that's um, it they start singing uh, as well that he's um, about his Scouse heritage because obviously he's a, a Liverpool legend so it's a it's the perfect storm that a Liverpool striker has come to Old Trafford and given the man of the match to uh, a Leeds player and while the scumbags might have won the match two goals to one that's not the real quiz is it the real quiz is the free kick count alright Graham Smith yeah it's um, scum give us 14 we give them 20 I'd take that as a moral victory don't you or evidence of biased refereeing. Is, is that free kicks that we've given away or that we've... we've that won? we've given away. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah definitely. We'd kick the shit out of them then. Good. Ferguson was not happy. He had a right old moan, said uh, the referee wasn't good enough. He that's, criticised. That's, this is unlike him. He uh, he lashed into in St. John as well for saying Chris White was man of the match ahead of Lee Sharp. And he hit out at Leeds for their treatment of Lee Sharp, stopping short of publicly naming Sterling. But then typical Ferguson, he then actually watched the match and... Uh, I don't, we've got his uh, his climb down quote here. I think we've got the audio. The tension and the heat of battle must have affected my judgment. I have to hold my hands up. The referee had a better game than I thought. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> it's typical. Very magnanimous of him. Very generous of uh, Sir Sir Alex. Having, yes, al- Alex having already applied the, the pressure to a referee, yeah. he then just goes, oh, no, no, good lads, referees. He's, there's a, what do you call that now in a relationship? Is it is it negging Gaslighting. someone? Gaslighting. Yeah, just... Just being a bit of a prick is another way of putting it. And that's what Ferguson did forever. Wilco's uh, on better form, though. They grab him. Uh, Gary Newborn gets him before he goes down the tunnel. He's, uh, and before he's had time to take his tartan beret off, he does, looking does, very smart. The beret does look like one that he might have cut some ginger hair off. You know, like one of those... <laughs> a novelty one. A novelty Scotsman outfit. Yeah. He says, having just done uh, Sir Alex Ferguson as Billy Connolly. <laughs> well, you know, I've not, I've not got a costume for it, though, have I? How, do the, how does the listener know that? But Wilco doesn't care anyway. He's happy with a, he's happy with a two-one defeat, isn't he? Howard, very good second half, and you have a good record at home. Is two-one going to be enough for you? Do you think? I hope so. I hope so. You know they can tell in cup ties, but uh, I think we're equal to them today. Bad defending really for the goals, but I think I think it's going to be enough at all. Mind you, if Wallace had got that one in at the end, it would have made it much harder. Well, if and if and if my auntie with my uncle. It was a brave decision to play Lee Chapman, and he was—he is a very brave lad. Did it work out for you? Do you think? I think so. I think so. There was no uh, his performance wasn't inhibited at all. He went out there and he played. No excuses when you go over that line. Howard, thank you very much. Is Wilco slightly getting his phrases mixed up there? If my auntie were my uncle, does he mean if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle? Yeah, but you can't say bollocks on ITV on a Sunday, can you? That's true. That's true. He's edited himself for the the viewers at home. I think Chapman was a bit poor in this, from what we've come to expect, which is, I, don't so, know, I, I mean, I'm not going to have a go at him. The man's got no well, face. Wilkinson says, once you're over the white line, Will, Chapman decided to play. Yeah. And there's no excuses. So, face, flash into him. Face or no face, when you're out there, 
Yeah, but I mean, he, he did well to get on the pitch, didn't he? Chapman did say later that he shouldn't have played. Not that he regrets it, just that, yeah, it was the, the wrong decision. He wasn't fit enough. He wasn't at his best. But, you know, as Wilkinson said, he didn't let anybody down. And um, we had Pearson on the bench to replace him. I don't know what state Pearson's knee is in, whether his knee was in a worse condition than Chapman's face. And that meant that's why he didn't bring him on to freshen things up at the end. But, you know, we got through the full 90 minutes. He's a brave lad, is Lee Chapman, even if his kids were too frightened to look at him at this this point. <laughs> well, we Which are is not- true. He did. He <laughs> said later that the uh, um, his children were terrified of him. When that's he came how home. that's how Michael's boys feel about him as well. You know, true story. So we are ninety minutes away from Wembley, which is exciting. And um, strangely enough, because ITV is showing the second leg live, it's in another couple of weeks. So we've got to wait a fortnight before we uh, we get back on the telly. I've already booked my hotel though for Wembley. Yeah, excellent. I've been, I've been on the uh, I got the yellow pages and I I rang up. Um, booked a Thistle Hotel down there. They only made that decision after this game, so can't have been that bad. Well, yes, I was going to say the game couldn't have been that low quality that the neutral viewer didn't enjoy it a little bit because it's two teams. Even if it wasn't great quality, we were kicking the shit out of each other. So the way it's bubbling under, you probably want to televise it because you think there might be a riot in the second leg. Also worth adding that um, it's Man United who've had points deducted this season because of their scrap with Arsenal. Not Leeds United, no. So we may have given away more free kicks, but we are morally the better club and the better team. And always will be. So we're on the telly for the second leg in a fortnight, rather than Chelsea versus Sheffield Wednesday, which is a sensible choice in anyone's book. I mean, who'd have watched that? Who've Chelsea even got at this point? This isn't the Chelsea that people know now. This is this is joke Chelsea. Ken Bates is early Chelsea. So we're not done with the Cups just yet. We have the second replay of the Arsenal ding-dong away at Highbury in another three days' time. Still no league fixtures on the horizon at the minute, but a player who is on the horizon looks like we might be signing Peter Beardsley. Yeah, Liverpool have um, spent money on David Speedy, who's got off to a a scoring start in the Merseyside derby. So, um, yeah, the rumour, as reported by Don Waters and the Yorkshire Evening Post, who, um, yeah, we forgot to mention that um, Don Waters stuck up for the player that Ian St John on the commentary kept calling young Mel, Mel Sterland. I think it's about 30 at this point, but it's all relative. After Ferguson complained about the way uh, Mel Sterling was controlling Sharp, Waters counted up. He said there were four fouls by Mel Sterling in the game compared to six by the thug Brian Robson. But um, yeah, also that we might be um, ready to spend a million quid for Peter Beardsley. A disfigured Chapman and a Peter Beardsley strike force. Wow. And on that bombshell, we'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Matchball. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.